all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious and the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Welcome home for a little bit as we band together in these times. And remember together that even though it might not seem like it right now, God is in control. He is running the world. He's unearthing a lot, that's for sure, and I believe that He's causing everything that can be shaken to be shaken. But I have to believe that in the long run, we are all going to be changed because of it, hopefully with a lasting change. I was posting in our Patreon community last week that I have been feeling, I'm sure what many of you have been feeling, loads of grief and lament over the pain that we're all seeing surface in our country when it comes to how we've lived and related to one another when it comes to race. And I've felt confusion and shame and anxiety and, of course, deep waves of empathy. I've kind of felt it all. I've also tried to privately just live out the things that I'm professing publicly. I'm not going to lie that I've also felt just a little bit locked up in knowing what to say in these days. So as many of you have done, I'm learning to do a lot of listening right now. The other evening after I had been on social media for a little bit, I came to a point where I needed to just shut off my phone and go outside for a walk. I was actually in search of some small branches to make a makeshift trellis for some of my cucumber plants that are climbing so fast I can hardly keep up with them. But as I was out gathering branches and sort of, you know, exhaling, breathing in, exhaling, I felt the Lord reminding me of something that I hear my brother Eric say and even just pray a lot. And it's something that I've been comforted by in the most beautiful way the past few weeks. And it's this, Jesus is always in the right place. He's always in the right. And we can literally run to the person who knows the right thing to say and the right thing to do. We can ask for His ears to hear and His eyes to see in these days. The truth is, if we can learn how to truly live from Him, we will have a much greater chance in being able to be for each other. We can't possibly live in right relationship with each other and be for each other if we're not living from the heart of God. We need His supernatural power and love and grace and mercy to work through us in order to be a part of the change that this world so desperately needs right now. I posted on Instagram about this the other day, but if we're just looking to each other, we're actually going to continually get disappointed and hurt because in our own strength, we will always fall short and tuck her out. We might can muster up love enough to initially fan a flame, but we need God, who is a consuming fire, to live His supernatural undying love through us. And in order to do that, we have to die to ourselves and we have to surrender to Him. We have to humbly come before the Lord and empty ourselves and allow Him to live through us. True change has to come from the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us, especially a change that lasts. All that to say, I'm not going to apologize for pointing to Jesus with all my might right now. This doesn't mean that I'm excusing any kind of wrongful behavior or things that we need to take responsibility for and own. But like I said, Jesus is always in the right place. And when we get near Him and stay near Him, we begin to act more like Him. I think that it's really important as well to remember who the real enemy is. Ephesians 6 clearly says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I think I've told you that my family and I have been watching all the Marvel movies this summer, and some of the bad guys in these movies are diabolically and epically evil. (laughs) I've always heard that, you know, fairy tales truly borrow from our story as the people of God. We have an enemy who is even more diabolical than you could ever depict on a movie screen. But as I watch those movies, I imagine all of us one day as we stand shoulder to shoulder by Jesus's side as he defeats Satan for the last time and we finally behold what we've been up against all this time. We simply can't fight the kind of darkness we are truly up against with mere human love and goodwill. No matter how hard we try in our humanity, we simply don't have what it takes to truly love and carry each other in this life, especially when there's a breach that feels like an ocean wide. We need supernatural armor to fight a supernatural war. Do we need hearts of repentance and humility? Yes, because that's what it takes to be able to yield to the Holy Spirit so that He can do the work that only He can do through us. I think we're prideful to think that we can heal any other way. It's why so many times I think we've started the fight, but we just end up weary and exhausted because the layers of pain feel insurmountable. But I think I probably speak for all of you when I say that I long for things to be right. And because of that, I want to fight how I'm supposed to fight in these days, which is not in the natural but the supernatural. I sat just recently with my dear friend, Brittany, who I've met with every month pretty much consistently for the past few years. She's a beautiful young black woman that I've actually told you about before. I'm supposed to be mentoring her, but she ends up speaking into my life a lot. And I've come to really value her voice in my life. We actually do this thing called, I'm sure you've done it before, Little Pinky Promises. And it's when she's about to say something sort of bold-faced honest with me, and she sticks her pinky out in the middle of the table, and I wrap my pinky around hers, and that's my cue that she's about to say something that needs to stay at the table. We had several of those moments in our recent meeting, although we did do air pinky promise in order to follow social distancing guidelines. But she needed a place to be honest with me, and I needed a place to just be able to ask honest questions. This wasn't a stay-at-the-table statement, but I asked her, in your mind, Brittany, what does it look like? What does healing look like? I love that she immediately went to describing gathering as the church, as in the capital C church, all of us. She described as best she could what it might look like for there just to be no walls between us, that every wall would somehow fall and we'd be able to worship freely together. She described there not being any one genre or style of music or different cultures and races, but that the church would somehow just have its own sound, its own identity, all of us together as one. My heart began to well up as she was describing it because I deeply want that too. I know you do too. Well, you might have seen that I made a pretty big announcement this past week on social media. In fact, I'm even recording this in faith that I'm going to go ahead with the announcement. As you know, the patrons of my podcast always get the podcast first, so I'm recording this even before I've made the official announcement publicly. But my book, which is scheduled to release November 10th, is called The Life You Long For, 
learning to live from a heart of rest. It has been a long time coming, 15 years in the making, really. The last year and a half of my life has pretty much been dedicated to finally getting it on paper. And so I couldn't be more excited to finally be sharing it with all of you this fall. The first part of the book begins with me telling you a little bit of my story of how God has over and over come after my heart over the years, starting with pulling me away from the platform for a time when my kids were little so that I could learn to reprioritize my world for one thing, but also so that I could learn how to be seen and known and loved by God in the secret place of the mundane. This was not easy for this busy church girl who has grown up loving Jesus and giving Him my all, but also had a tendency to yes myself into complete exhaustion, doing things for God without taking the time to learn how to live from God. He used the early days of motherhood for me when I sort of hit a wall of exhaustion and realized that I can't actually do it all. Little did I know that he was readying my heart to be tired and desperate enough that I just might listen to his heart so that he could save me from myself. He changed my life forever in that season, and he changed my relationship with my children forever. He might not be using motherhood in particular for you, but I do know that he can use anything And I will say this, when life starts not going as planned, (laughs) I've learned that you can see this as an infliction or you can see it as an invitation from God to come and learn what it looks like to rest in His heart and to let Him set a new pace for your life. The kind of rest I'm talking about here, this rest that Jesus offers, it's not a lay around and watch Netflix kind of rest. We've all had our fill of that anyway during COVID-19. I'm talking about a deep soul rest that becomes like the posture of your life that I believe we need now more than ever. A soul rest that comes from truly learning how to live from God, as I was saying earlier, from our very belovedness, which we have talked about a lot on this podcast This rest is one that marks us forever. It is the life we long for. We maybe just don't know it. It's one that brings such a deep contentment that it has us contending for things we maybe never have before. There are three parts to the book, our calling as the beloved, our community as the beloved, and then our capacity as the beloved. I tell you story after story of how God has taught me and is still teaching me that the highest calling on our lives as His people will always be to live as His beloved child. This is our true identity. Our true identity is all about whose we are, who we belong to. As I said before, living from who we are alone, from our own strength and capacity, leads to weariness, fatigue, and even burnout. I believe it's why we see pastors and leaders walking away from the faith right now. The ultimate form of burnout is unbelief. True soul rest is daily remembrance of who we are, that we belong to God, and that there is a place for us in His heart. And even more important than doing things for God, He created us to live from Him, from His heart. In the book, I tell you about how this completely changed me. It changed the pace and the order of my life. 
When we learn to live from our true calling to be God's beloved, we walk into community and into our fullest capacity, a completely different person. We begin to see that God desires for us to treasure each other over what we're building. His heart is that we live with this posture of people coming before productivity and community coming before us living at our fullest capacity. The rest that Jesus offers is not void of work. There is work to be done always. This isn't about curling up in a ball and just watching the world go by. This is about working from a deep place of rest where our priorities are changed forever and our pace becomes sustainable, maybe for the first time ever. Our capacity isn't so much about what we can crank out. It's actually as the people of God about what we are able to hold and receive and then offer to the world around us. This book is actually now available for pre-order in all places you probably already order books from. But actually, if you go to my website, this is pretty fun, christineockles.com, you can actually download the first chapter right now for free. And there's also several links to pre-order it right there on my website. So there's that. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy today that today's episode will conclude with an interview with the lovely Sarah Haggerty. Sarah is the author of Every Bitter Thing is Sweet, as well as the book called Unseen. And her newest book, which we'll talk about some today, is called Adore, A Simple Practice for Experiencing God in the Middle Minutes of Your Day. I've interviewed Sarah before, and I love her heart so much, and she's actually even going to take some of our passage today in Psalm 119, and she's going to demonstrate for us how she uses the Word of God in the practice of adoration every day. Even if it's just a couple of minutes here and there in her day, she shares how it redirects her heart and postures her again to come back to living from who He is. Before I play that interview with Sarah, I do want to read our text over us today so that we can just sit in it together for a minute. And I do want to talk about our Hebrew letter because I thought it was actually incredibly fitting for this moment in history. Again, I love that the header over the entire chapter of Psalm 119, at least in the ESV version, says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet. Even in the darkest of times, God's word can light up the path underneath us. It might not always shine a floodlight down the road so we can see on up ahead, but it does light our feet today right where we are so that we can at least keep going. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 119, verses 49 through 56. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort and my affliction that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. Our letter for today is the Hebrew letter Zion, which is spelled Z-A-Y-I-N, but it's pronounced like Zion. It's basically made up of the letter Vav, which was the letter in the last episode, but Zion has a crown on top of it. We learned last episode that Vav equals the number six and is the letter of man. Well, Zion is a picture of a crowned man. 
and has the value of seven. The number seven, as you might know, is blessed in the Bible, and in the Hebrew culture, it has always been the symbol of completion and wholeness and rest. On the seventh day, God rested and gave us the gift of Shabbat, or Sabbath. So it is a picture of Jesus, this crowned man who is the completion and wholeness and rest that we need. According to HebrewForChristians.com, Zion means weapon or sword. But interestingly enough, it derives from a root that actually means sustenance, rest, or nourishment. So there's a paradox there, isn't it? So beautiful. We must fight to receive the nourishment of rest. I can't help but think of Hebrews 4, verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This feels like another paradox here in Scripture, doesn't it? That we must strive to enter God's rest. So Zion means sword or crowned man ultimately is said to represent also the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And of course, we know that Jesus is called the Word Verse 12 of Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I think this so beautifully ties into what the Spirit of God was revealing to me about this present darkness that we are in. We must fight a supernatural war with supernatural warfare. We need the whole armor of God that we can read about in Ephesians 6. And to complete that armor, we need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that fights for us to enter that rest. When we use the Word of God, when we come and we sit underneath it, it fights for us to enter the rest that God offers us today, the counsel of the whole Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, that's us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Whatever the task is before us today, personally and even collectively as the church, the Word of God has what we need. This is kind of interesting, too. Our letter Zion is also associated closely with the word remember and remembrance. Both of those words in the Hebrew starts with the letter Zion, which we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, this idea of remembrance, that it is the way that we ultimately live from that identity of who and whose we are as the beloved of God. In the Hebrew Bible, this is kind of neat. In Malachi 4.4, you can actually find printed an oversized letter Zion, and it really does look like a sword, by the way. Well, this is what Malachi 4.4 says, where you see this oversized letter Zion. It says, remember the Torah of Moses. The Torah is the law of God revealed to Moses, and it's recorded in the first five books of the Old Testament. Remember the Torah of Moses, my servant, that I commanded him, the statutes and judgments of the Lord. As we've been walking together through Psalm 119, we've been invited to remember the Word of God, especially God's law, 
which we've learned are not necessarily a list of do's and don'ts, but instead they are covenant grace words towards us that invite us into a lasting relationship with God, one that He has sealed with Jesus. And remembering His commandments to this day ultimately teaches us to walk in His ways, and His way works even now. This is kind of interesting, too. I love all of these details. In Psalm 91, the letter Zion isn't actually used, but in the Hebrew Bible, there are little crownlets at the top of each letter in Psalm 91, just like the crownlets at the top of the letter Zion, which you can see that Ellie painted for us so beautifully, by the way. But these crownlets are believed to function as spiritual weapons throughout Psalm 91. I'll just give you a little taste of that. I know you know it. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I've had several people even lately tell me, that the Lullaby album, Be Held, Lullabies for the Beloved, has ministered to them in a really deep way, especially during the deep valley of COVID-19. But when people tell me that, it always makes me think about the fact that we layered scripture into those lullabies just like an instrument. So just like there's a violin in the track, there's also a track of me speaking scripture almost like an instrument. I have to believe that the Word of God is like little crownlets all throughout that album and those songs and those melodies functioning as little spiritual swords, little weapons, fighting for God's beloved and bringing them into a place of deep soul rest. One of my patrons asked me recently if I'd ever reveal what scriptures I spoke into each of those songs, and I actually found that document the other day. So patrons, you have that coming to you just for something fun. Also, just FYI, if you would like to become a patron at any time, just simply go to patreon.com slash to find out more about becoming a supporter of this podcast, but just to be a part of the little community, which has actually been a really sweet blessing, especially during this season. But anyway, I have to believe that the Word of God in those songs is like this sword of the Spirit fighting for God's own and bringing them to the nourishment that they need. I can't help but think of verse 54 of Psalm 119. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. We won't go into our text today the way that we usually do because I just want to leave ample time for you to hear from Sarah. But one verse in particular just stood out. It's verse 52. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Listen, when you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say, it's always a good idea to remember the way that God runs the world and to take comfort in Him. His rules, the way He runs the world, are from of old. He goes way far back. (laughs) He is the beginning and the end. He is the Aleph and the Tav. He was before we ever arrived and started complicating things. He was and is, and He is to come. And we are never in the wrong when we run to Him because He is always in the right place. We can even take comfort in His ways and the way He runs the world. Even when we don't understand what He's doing or we question if He's even at work, we can remember His ways, His rules, His covenant grace forward commandments that have always existed ultimately 
for our freedom, that we'd walk in a wide place even as we step on the narrow, dimly lit up path today. Before Sarah and I chat, I just want to end my introduction with Paul's prayer from Ephesians 3. This is what it looks like for us to live from God and ultimately for each other. It's about us discovering the love of God together. Verses 16 through 21. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Enjoy this interview with the beautiful Sarah Haggerty. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Sarah, how are you, friend? (laughs) Oh, I'm glad to be talking to you. (laughs) I had so hoped that our second interview for this podcast would be in person, but here we are again over the phone, over our um, not-so-great internet. (laughs) (laughs) Both of us country living. (laughs) Both of us in the boonies, Um, but this is better than nothing. (laughs) That's right. For sure. Well, thank you so much for just spending some minutes with me today. I know you've got so much going on. You're so busy, but I just so love your heart so much. And I don't know how many times I've even said about you recently to people, I say, Sarah's the real deal. And I get that just from just a little bit. I've even been in contact with you, but also obviously just um, the things that you've shared and how you share what God has done in you is just um, real. And I so appreciate it. It's just Mm -hmm. um, relatable, amazingly helpful. And I love how you just do it so simply and, um, but just beautifully. And so I'm just grateful for you. So I wanted to say that up top. <laughs> the feeling is very mutual. I mean, I literally, I'm, we're starting this conversation. I'm thinking we could like curl up in our jammies and talk with tea for like five hours. <laughs> <laughs> true. That moment is going to come. It is, you're going to come to my house or I'm going to be at yours at some moment. And we're going to live that out. So, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, I just wanted to first just check in with you about um, just how you've been. I mean, hello, you are a mother of seven now. Is that right? Do you have seven? (laughs) Yeah. Do you have seven? (laughs) I know seven. Who has seven kids? It's like 0.0005% of the population. We have seven kids. How did this happen? (laughs) I mean, and that's fairly new, right? One of your your youngest offspring, right, is fairly new. Mm -hmm. How old? Yeah. We had a total, we we gave away all of our baby stuff and, you know, (laughs) you should have known. And then had this surprise baby. I was 42. I just had her in October. So I've got me and my 23-year-old friends are talking about babies. (laughs) Feeding, nursing, all those things. 
Oh my goodness, that is amazing. Okay, so what are the ages of your kids so that we can all get a picture of in our minds of maybe what the last few months have been for, for like been yeah, like for you? So, so my oldest just got her driver's license yesterday. It was an epic moment for oh, all of us. We are all excited to wow. have another driver. She's 16. And then I've got two 14-year-olds, a 12-year-old, and then all the way down, I've got a couple of other little people in there. You're just My skipping full, some. I, I, I'm You're skipping like, oh, there's some. a couple They're, more. They all, <laughs> in the grade school range. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Around there. Around there. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Well, what was life or is life on lockdown what's that been like for you like what in the world you know what it it actually has been really sweet I think because we kind of straddle two worlds we have these little people and I really love the little years of like exploring in nature and you know learning to read and but then we've got these big people who have like booming social lives and they're finding out what they love and they're exploring the real, the world out there. This would have been a season that would have been really full. We're not people who typically have full seasons. Like we really kind of try and keep life simple, but when you've got seven kids and you have teenagers, like we would probably have to be total um, hermits to like not keep, not have some level of activity. And, and so it actually ended up being kind of sweet can I say that like it's surprisingly sweet because we didn't have lacrosse season and we didn't have the play it's going to happen this summer and so we had a lot of walks through our property and a lot of you know playing horse and pig outside in the backyard and fires out there and um in retrospect it felt I I hesitate because I know it was such a challenging season for so many and it was for us at first really initially but I think as we got into a rhythm we were really surprised by the little gifts that the Lord gave us right um yeah how did you guys do on the toilet paper front We still have two rolls left. Oh, my goodness. Seriously? <laughs> no, I think we have more than two, but we were actually okay. I mean, it was, I felt like we needed to record my husband's conversation with the kids of how exactly they needed to be using toilet paper, what for, what not for. Girls, I know you've got mascara stuff going on, but you got to like lick your finger and rub it. Like no more toilet paper <laughs> to wipe off that mascara. That is oh. amazing. Oh, wow. Well, you yeah, already- How are you guys doing on the toilet paper front? <laughs> um, we did pretty good. I mean, um, I kind of sniffed it out. Like I felt like it was maybe coming and I kind of stocked up a little bit. Not like I did yeah. not, I didn't hoard, but I did just have a feeling. <laughs> All I, the things you never thought you'd be saying. <laughs> I just had a feeling. And so, I mean, I didn't hoard. <laughs> I did get some on the front end, but we did okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for us, uh, you know, Nathan and I noticed that we travel usually, I mean, we're not just like doing, you know, 150 dates a year, but I mean, we travel enough usually in the spring and fall where we felt the noticeable difference of being home so much in the spring, you know, like, I mean, we were just home, home where you could literally see the season happening outside. Like you could see the buds. Oh, and the I remember trees. you saying that on one of your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just like, we'd never seen that before because we were on the go enough to where it was like, wow, this is noticeable. But we ended up doing a lot of things that, um, 
I would not really have time to do, you know, if we were on the go or just traveling our normal schedule. Aww. And so, like, uh, my my uh, listeners Like, know you this. learned to play piano, right? Well, or you I, played more I'm piano, starting right? starting this month, yes, in June. I'm starting to learn piano. <laughs> and I have a bunch of listeners who signed up to do that with me. So we're doing that, That's which right. is awesome. But also keeping... I, I was so inspired by that because oh. I feel like there's a certain age that you get to where you feel like, can I really paint? Yeah. You know, and I just hearing you say that, I thought, I want to take painting lessons. Like, totally. I want to do this. You should. Surely they have some kind of online thing. If you can't do that, surely they're you're in your town. It's going to open up soon. You should yeah. take painting lessons for sure. Yeah. And keeping yeah. chickens. My listeners know that I've also been, or at <gasps> least my patrons know I've been keeping, I, we got chickens. And so we've been doing that. So that's been fun. <laughs> I never would have done it because it, it was enough work initially that I just was be, be gone too much to like see it through. But we've got we got them outside. They're already like teenager stage. And, They're and do you have eggs? Yeah, not yet. I guess that takes like about five months. So sometime oh, okay. I guess from when they're born. So maybe late summer. Early fall, we would see some. I'm not sure. It's a oh, it's a total awesome. experiment. So <laughs> uh, you're truly doing country living. <laughs> I mean, for real. But well, so I guess for you, you kind of. I was going to say, what was your biggest challenge? What was your biggest blessing? But I guess your biggest blessing was just those long walks and getting mm-hmm. to have that pause as a family. What Having was- my teenagers home every night. That yeah. was actually a super big blessing in a time where we love their friends. We love who they have surrounded themselves with. But man, it was super cool to spend this time with my teenagers. That's amazing. Well, I would love to ask you, you know, especially I've thought about you actually several times and I think um, I could just have a whole coffee over this, just, you know, getting to just learn from you and hear from you. But I know you're um, a, a mother of seven, and some of those are adopted children, mm-hmm. and you have black children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've yeah. just been in this past few weeks of um, lament and outrage, um, which we're being reminded is from a deep-seated racism that's been in our country and our world for a really long time that's caused mm-hmm. almost what feels like, I think for a lot of us, like an insurmountable amount of pain and hurt that, you know, you're yeah. just like, how do we get on the other side of this? And and I think just for those of us who don't know what to do in this time and find ourselves feeling kind of helpless and not knowing where to start, I would just love to hear from you. I know that's kind of a big question to put you on the spot, but just, just some practical mm-hmm. ways, I think, even like spiritually and relationally, um, that we can pursue racial reconciliation, like just on a daily basis how to start like just where where's a starting place maybe for some of us who just need a starting place we we our hearts feel heavy you know we've we're lamenting we're listening you know I would just love to just hear from you mm-hmm. on how that's been well I I mean honestly I certainly don't feel like an expert here but I know what I have experienced um maybe more so related to my kids' trauma than I have related to the color of their skin, but I feel like it's applicable, is that um, for us personally, the conversations that we've had with some of our friends about race are pretty uncomfortable. And it feels somewhat similar to talking with our kids about their pain and their history, and that Mm -hmm. sometimes things don't come out right, and and people are hurting each other, and we're rubbing up against each other's wounds, and it's hard, and... 
yet I think there's a real power to putting your hand on somebody's back and saying, I see you. And so I don't know, for us personally, we've been really um, wanting to hear more. And I think we do have a little bit of an agenda in that because we want to hear more because we love our friends. And we also feel like we want to equip our kids. Yeah. Um, And and we feel like, wow, we are ill-equipped to equip our kids because Mm. of the color of our skin. We don't know. But then on the other hand, I think kind of the biggest thing I keep going back to is I really feel like this is a conversation between each one of us and the Lord. That's like, right. Lord, what do you have for me here? Yeah. And so I don't know that that's any wise advice. I, I feel like we're at the beginning of the beginning ourselves of even understanding mm-hmm. each other's pain or our brothers and sisters' pain. But I do feel like my, I keep going back to, okay, what I can do is say, Lord, what areas of my heart have held assumptions or have been ignorant or have wanted to look away from deep pain like show me and Mm -hmm. walk me through that with you why do I want to look away from really deep pain yeah and how do I how do I also then I mean the other side of it is how do I walk into someone's pain and know ultimately that God is the healer because I think that's the thing with my kids too where I I'm going I I'm ill-equipped, but I'm not because of God. And in the same way, we all as believers are ill-equipped to walk through this really messy time, but God is the healer. And so if we engage, Mm -hmm. he's the one who heals. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and I'm a resource person, so I just love reading. I feel like that's been helpful um, Mm -hmm. with my kids and on my own. Can you tell us something you're reading right now? Well, well, in terms of this, one book I would recommend is White Picket Fences by Amy Julia Becker. She's a friend, and I just mm-hmm. appreciated her. It was a very gentle narrative wow. um, of her own story and her own experience with race. And I feel mm-hmm. like um, I just, my heart needed gentle. I needed to kind of enter in in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my Nate was telling somebody the other day, Warmth of Other Sons is a great one. It might be a little too long for me. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so I don't, you know, I, I don't know that I, I think other people are suggesting I have great book lists, but I feel like um, sometimes it's easier for me to engage when I can sit in something for a longer period of time. So a longer conversation or a book is good for my heart. Yeah, that's great. Well, I feel like God has just done um, similar things in, in our hearts, you know, I mean, I believe God is always at work in all of our lives, but I believe that He also kind of forms similar messages in many of us so that we can kind of learn from each other in a real specific way and even just recognize the Holy Spirit's work in our own lives as we recognize His work in other people's lives. And you're so good about, like I said just earlier, just stewarding what God's done in you and the way you share it. But I remember um, reading your book Unseen on a plane. I think I've told you this one mm-hmm. time, but I was I kind of put it down on the seat next mm-hmm. to me, and I was like, well, this is pretty much the book that I was going to write, so I, I think I'll need to think of something else. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you did! <laughs> but, we, but I did. Thankfully, I did um, write that book. But um, but the truth is, is just that we all have a very different story that weaves or connects with God's work mm-hmm. in us. And so I believe because of that, if we have a story with God, we have something to share. And that can look like writing a book, or it can just look like us making cookies for our neighbor and sitting and having coffee. But 
really, um, I would love to know just kind of what's, what are some of the major parts of your story that God, that you could look back on that, that he just chose to like weave into sort of his invitation to you really to come and live in that place, which you kind of been in, in your book unseen, or you called it unseen, but live in that place of living like mm-hmm. as the beloved of God um, and how the beloved of God are supposed to live, which is not so much us running around and doing awesome things for God, but really just to be learned to learn to be seen and loved and known by him in the most ordinary moments of our lives. So I would love, I know that's a mm-hmm. big question, but maybe just like what's a part of your story, just so if people are kind of hearing from you for the first time that you just, that God used so specifically with that invitation to draw you into that unseen place where you've learned to really adore Him in the secret place almost. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint one because I feel like it's been, it, it has been an ongoing narrative of, I tend to be somebody who likes, or at least earlier on in my Christian being, I feel like I loved the big. Mm-hmm. I loved like the mission, the I, evangelism was my real heart in my early years. And I just, it was like, I kind of traveled from one big moment to the next. And I think yeah. there was just a slow awakening that happened, maybe my late twenties, early thirties um, with some circumstantial pain. My dad um, mm-hmm. was diagnosed with cancer and died. And um we walked through infertility. There was just a lot of kind of stuff that I felt like started to, in some ways, narrow my life. Yeah. And I started to go, you know what? If I broke down my life, probably 80% of it is the in-between those big things. Mm. And that, yeah. and in that 80% is actually where I'm struggling the most. And that 80% is where I'm like cynical and restless and wishing that I had the next thing that I could just get on, move on to, to grow mm. in God, you know, or to do something for God. And mm. um, then at that to motherhood, I mean, there just was kind of this growing snowball of, uh, to mix metaphors here, of me looking at my in-between times and seeing like radical is really there. And mm. I actually don't even know that I really know how to dialogue with God there. Mm. And if I get quiet, I start to see there's a lot of questions I have. There's a lot of fears that I have. There's a lot of insecurities I have that I never bring to him because mm. I'm not quite sure how to engage with him in those middle times. Mm. So powerful. Because <laughs> like you said, I mean, that's where we live. You know, most of it's where we live. And then when we don't know how to um, operate and function, but even, you know, hopefully thrive in this life, um, we've got to learn how to do it in those middle minutes. And on the last episode of this podcast, I talked about how actually those middle minutes of our lives are those little ordinary um, moments, like you're saying, is where we live most of life. That can actually, on the flip side of all this, become a part of our legacy rather than building big things for God or, you know, leaving a, leaving a legacy in that way. What if we can live in remembrance every day that God is building us instead, rather us, rather than us being out there building something big. I just love that you use that example because, you know, I was the same, like going from one big thing to another kind of, um, you know, leading worship for, you know, big conferences. And I didn't know mm-hmm. what to do when I got home. In fact, my book starts out 
you know, with me telling you a story about me cleaning the toilet and, and the kids toilet upstairs mm-hmm. and how the Holy Spirit met me in that moment, um, bringing me into, you know, his word in that moment. And just really, that was one of the first big invitations of him going, there's so much more here and you're going to miss it if you're looking for the big things. But he reminded me, he started showing me that he was building me. And I love just the idea of, of, you know, you have this new book and I love so much even just the title, Adore, A Simple Practice for Experiencing God in the Middle Minutes of Your Day. Um, I love just thinking of the culmination of that. If we learn to do that, like you're saying, we learn to have that dialogue with God. We learn how to be seen by Him in the first place, like in the in that secret yeah. place, um, but also just to learn how to bring him our pain, how to communicate with him. I mean, even in a um, in the last few weeks that we've been living in this pain, you know, together, sort of experiencing all of this, it's so important for us to just know how to come before the Lord just with our own hearts, you know. And, and so I love mm-hmm. this practice of adoration and um, and really just learning how to do that on an everyday basis and how that could, I love thinking of that, especially for women, just that could culminate into like our ordinary being, our offering and our, our, the middle minutes of our lives becoming our legacy. Like it's building a legacy mm-hmm. that we'll leave. I just think that's beautiful to think about. Um, what are some ways that God has been, I guess just transforming you because adoration brings on transformation, right? It's like what you're saying is just in those moments of um, learning to dialogue with God, learning how to sit in the ordinary with Him. It transforms us, like it changes us forever. And I would love to know just kind of personally, like how God's brought transformation in you when you did start learning how to dialogue with Him in those yeah. In that, the middle minutes. I mean, I feel like some of what he did when I first started adoring is just the same as what's happening today. You know, a little window into my day is I wake up this morning. We had a huge storm last night, so I felt like Maria in Sound of Music. I had my little girl down in, in the bedroom next to me. Thankfully, my teenagers were like, I was going to come down too. Like, oh. well, I could have made clothes out of curtains. You know, oh. I had her like sleeping on the floor and... So I was like kind of half awake this morning. It was early dark (laughs) and I just woke to heaviness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, um, I'll be honest, the uncertainty right now of our times and so many voices. I mean, I I tend to be like a turtle. I just want to go get quiet. Like there's just so many voices and so much Mm -hmm. noise right now that um, I can turn off my phone and I can turn that off. But there's also a lot happening in the world. So I want to know what's going on. And I just woke up to the heaviness. Yeah. And I think there's also just the element of, too, raising my kids into this world. Yeah. And so I, when I wake up like that, I, I know that my proclivity is to just find more information and see if I can get myself to a secure place. Yeah. And my body wants to do that. My mind wants to do that. And this is how adoration intersected my morning. You know, I, um, practically speaking, I just picked up the Psalms and Mm -hmm. 
I, I like my, what I often say is when you don't feel like talking to God and when you'd rather not, when you, when it feels like there's a dozen other things you'd rather do, that's usually the marker. Like this is the time to meet with him. Yeah. In some ways I've had to flip the flip my thinking into don't wait till you feel like it actually when you don't feel like it there's usually something there that that is fodder for conversation with him Mm, so i just came this morning like i feel heavy i feel alone i feel uncertain um i mean how much more can happen in a year i feel like what the is going on this year and how do i and so i just i was in the psalms i was in um Thanks to a little bit of prompting from you, I was in Psalm 119. Yeah. And I just, this is what it looked like this morning. Psalm 119.50. This is my comfort in affliction that your promise gives me life. And I'm just going, God, I know I'm not the most afflicted. I know there's so many more who are afflicted more than me, but even seeing their pain makes me feel afflicted. You know, I'm just, Mm. oh, and our nation and then I, so I bring my emotions to him and then I just go, your promise gives me life. I don't feel like it this morning. I don't feel like I have a whole lot of life to draw from, but your word tells me that your promise gives me life, mm. you know? And then I, I continue on like there is, um, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. That's Psalm 119, 155 or Psalm 119, 55. Mm. I remember your name in the night, O Lord. It's the night. It feels dark. Mm. Uh, how long is the night going to go on? And I remember your name. I adore you, God, that your name is steadier than the news. Yeah. That your name is steadier than where we are as a nation. That your name is steadier than the plan I might make for my kids' future. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I feel like it's, adoration has been like for me. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's in the morning. Sometimes it's like 3.30 in the afternoon when one of my kids is unraveling and I have no idea what to do mm. with where they are. And I just literally go into my laundry room with my Bible and I say, I don't want to talk to you, God. I don't feel like talking to you, but you know, Psalm 63 here says, and I sometimes it's literally just opening up to the next Psalm. Psalm 63 says, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh, flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I behold your power and your glory. And I go, okay, maybe I'm not earnestly seeking you. I'm kind of not really reaching for you. But Lord, your word says there's power and glory to behold. And there's something about even that like two, three, four minute exchange Mm. that I feel like, you know what? I look back on my day and I go two more minutes today were given over to his word and to who he is instead Mm -hmm. of my crazy thinking. And I feel like there was a little win. Yeah. That's so powerful. I think that, you know, I spent so many years in my life just feeling like I needed to um, have the candles lit and the Bethmore Bible study and which, you know, thank the Lord for Bethmore Bible studies. But, and if you have time to do that, do it. (laughs) If you're in a season (laughs) where you can do that, oh my goodness, take advantage. But I would feel like, well, if I can't do that, it's kind of, it was like this all or nothing or those little minutes in my closet, that doesn't really count. That doesn't feel, you know what I mean? Like I would tell myself, like mm-hmm. talking to him on the go or pausing in my closet, you know, is that really going to, you know, connect me to him? But you're, you're, it's just so powerful. And it is what the enemy wants us to think, right? He wants us to go, 
if you can't do all this and it can't look like this, he'll even kind of, you know, dog you about how spiritual you are. He'll yeah. make you feel like a really, you know, you're, you're just such a crummy Christian. Like you can't do this. You don't know how to carry this. Look at all that you're leading other people to do, but you can't even do this, you know. But it's so true when we do just take those few minutes to have, like you said, a win um, in your closet of just going, I'm going to look to you, God. And, and it's the most, like, I talk about it in the book that it was uh, A.W. Tozer. He basically talks about how mm. the most vital thing in life is, is, is to look to God. And, 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 and if that's the most vital thing, mm. it's actually also the easiest thing that we can do, and it works for anyone, anywhere. Like, y- we can take that moment and go, God, I look to you right now. And the Psalms, you're so right. I always, I think just as a worship leader, I um, just identify. And I don't know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not like huge into the Enneagram, but I am a four, and I feel like maybe King David was a four. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> so I just relate to the high, you know, it's just the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. But how sweet of God, seriously, to give us the Psalms mm-hmm. um, already as like a language that we can use with Him. Like we get to even just use a handbook, a guide, you know, for him, for us to be able to go mm-hmm. to God and, and use His own Word as a way for us to simply look to Him and turn our eyes to Him today. And if you've got a couple of minutes, I mean, what I've found is the more you have those moments, those little wins, um, they start increasing, right? Like, um, the more you just start sure living do. like that. It just kind of snowballs, and you wanna, you wanna live like that more. You know, I think I've thought a lot recently about Paul's invitation, or rather, his instruction to pray without ceasing. Yeah. And like, you know, we all know that, but realistically, like, mm-hmm. how much of our day are we actually praying? And I think sometimes then we try to discipline ourselves into being there. But as we, like, as I have found with adoration, I could cry. You know. When I find that I am like my most dull, my most angry, mm. my most, my, my worst self, and I am, can bring that into conversation with God and find mm. Him to be tender yeah. to me and actually like willing to shift my heart, mm. I want to go back to Him. And I think that's been the power of that's adoration right. for me as I'm finding like, you know what? When, t- when there's a good chance with the way things are on the earth right now, I'm going to wake up tomorrow feeling weighty again. Yep. I don't know that this is going to go away. Mm-hmm. And so he met me today and he met me a couple times today. I'm nursing my babe and I'm, you know, I could be scrolling my phone, but I, I, I'm, it's not like I'm disciplining myself into prayer, but I'm actually going, you know what? I feel a lot more peace when I can adore, when I can bring in my raw, th- I mean, that's what the psalmists do, bring in my raw thoughts and put yeah. his word back in my mouth. And mm-hmm. I want to talk to him the next time, the next time yeah. I have a fight with my husband or the next time I've got a kid who's doing something and I'm like concerned about some large or something in their life, like I actually can go right to him. Yeah. And there's a safety and there's, there is this peace that transcends. What is that? Philippians 4, mm. holy peace that transcends our understanding. Yeah. 
it makes me want to pray more. So this, this instruction from Paul to pray without ceasing, it doesn't feel like this thing we need to discipline ourselves into. I actually feel like prayer can be the safest, most tender, intimate place of our day mm-hmm. with God. And then we want to go back there and we want to do it again. Yeah. In your book, um, is it you have a section in the back that's kind of like a guide, right? And it, it says tiny big yeah. prayers. I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of what you're saying. Is just, yes. These are big, big things, but it's so powerful. It's like a punch. It's this powerful punch, but you're just taking this tiny thing, but it's a massive, it's a massive thing. I was just reminded that I saw that in your book. I, yeah. I like one phrase, you know, one, when I'm looking at my, like, you know, looking at my house and it feels like a mess and. I kind of, that same old lie comes back in my head that we've gone off the tracks and there's no returning and we're just too chaotic. And then I just, that one phrase, your power is made perfect in my weakness. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, your power is made perfect. I mean, that's the tiny big prayers or these just Mm -hmm. these little things that like, instead of saying what I often do in my head, I mean, honestly, I think we all could probably agree that if we examine an hour's worth of our thoughts, there's a bunch of them in there that are like, I can't believe I did that. I'm such an idiot. Or this kid is going to never return. Or this is going to, you know, see it happened again. And I always mess up. Like, what if one of those then becomes your power is made perfect in my weakness? All of a sudden, it's like, okay, the narrative can subtly start to change. It's not Sarah's such an idiot. She never gets it right. She's always failing. God's disappointed in her. It's actually his word comes in and replaces Mm. that. That's right. That's so practical but it is like just as powerful as as it is practical so I love it thank you so much for just um sharing that because I do feel like it is such um a scheme of the enemy all day long every day to get us all in that headspace and to even just keep us in that headspace to keep us out of that heart space so it is just we. It's so much more simple than we make it, right? <laughs> it's mm. just, I, <laughs> I mean, goodness. That should be like the tagline of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so much more simple than you make it, Sarah. Right. Stop complicating things. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, thank you so much. I'm just so glad. I, I, you know, I'm happy that this happened when it did. I actually wanted to interview you when your book's been out for like when did it come out? Just a few months, right? At the end of March. Yeah. yeah. Just a few months. Well, I'm happy to, that it just fell right where this did, you know, just in this time frame yeah. and this time of life. And um, so thank you, because I feel like, too, um, it's just such a practical way for us to just spiritually in this moment, when we wake up with that heaviness, um, to just have a mm-hmm. tool I, it, to know what to do and to know how to not only, uh, you know, read the word of God, but pray it and use that as the tool that God always meant for us to use it as. And so thank you. Mm -hmm. Would you pray us out? Would you just pray for our listeners and pray um, just that God would grow us in this and and just pursuing him in those middle minutes and um, just praying for the listeners right now who are waking up heavy and just asking the Lord to bring this to their remembrance. Um, yeah, I would just love it if you would close us in prayer. Oh, well. Lord, we come to you, probably all of us, mm. to some degree, feeling some level of anxiety. 
We come to you with that, God. Mm -hmm. We bring it to you, and your word says that do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Mm -hmm. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I ask for every single person listening, for Christy and for myself, that your peace would transcend our understanding, Mm -hmm. that your peace would be the guard of our minds. Lord, we ask that you would even enable us to see you guarding our minds. Mm -hmm. And Father, I lift up our minds, this battleground. Jesus, I pray for every person listening, and myself and Christy, Lord, that even today, Father, that we would be able to engage with you in prayer for a few more minutes. Mm-hmm. That, and we would see you consciously winning back our thoughts to your word. Mm-hmm. Lord, I ask that Psalm 119, revive me according to your word. God, I pray for a revival yeah. <laughs> among those listening with a hunger for your word. Some of us who've maybe been dry for a long time, God, I pray for any listeners who've been dry going, I don't even want to open the word of God, Lord. I ask for a revival, a reviving hunger for your word, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We thank you that, that in very shaky times, you are a rock and a fortress and a deliverer. Yeah. And I ask, Lord, that we would see you delivering our hearts and our minds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Yay! Yay! Fun. I've it's loved. an appetizer. We're gonna do a long yes. coffee day one of these days. Yes, we are. <laughs> I've loved so much just um, getting to yeah catch up with you and just even I don't know. I'm always excited when I see that um, you're sharing something about how God is Aww. just transforming you and because it's just so like i said real and raw and practical and you're just the real deal thank you you're welcome why my daughter this today when i told her we were going to be on the phone she said mom could we get her book early and i'm like i can oh i cannot wait to read your book so (laughs) you know i'm putting in the i'm putting in the ask we want an early read cannot wait thank you so much i appreciate that i will see what i can do I'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Ask the power to be. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you again for just being our guest today. And I hope to talk to you soon and get to sit with you soon. Uh, yeah. Thanks. You're welcome.